Hey everybody, Francesca here reminding you that I will be in Sacramento at the Sack Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with none other than Matt Lieb. That's right, we are co-headlining. It'll be super fun. It is St. Patrick's Day, so I guess we're all drinking, maybe? Anyway, get your tickets. There should be a link in this description, and I hope to see you there. To ban a book, you should have to present a book report on that I book. was, yes. You should have to read it and you should have to write at least a book report at the same level of your child that you are banning (laughs) the book on behalf of. Another episode of the Bituation Room Podcast live stream. <laughs> oh God, how you feeling? How you doing? Um, I'm well, clearly, <laughs> very stable, um, and I'm so happy to have you here on a Tuesday. If you're listening in the future, days don't matter. It's just whenever I'm brushing my teeth and I don't feel like being alone. That's when I play my podcast. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's what I do too. Um, welcome everybody on YouTube. Make sure you like and share the stream right now. If you're on Twitch, sup? Uh, please subscribe to this channel. Use those Bezos bucks uh, that just automatically renew every year. And you're like, do I need Prime? I guess I want Prime. One day I'll boycott. Uh, and then pretty soon, you know, we uh, we live in a hellscape of Bezos's making and. We have do not have the tools to make the guillotine. And isn't it ironic that if we were to get the tools to make the guillotine, we'd probably have to order them off of Amazon. See how that works? Um, We have such a good show for you today. Um, uh, R.B. Butcher is here, a comedian, a wonderful person. And um, we're going to get into everything with them. We're going to talk all about... Steve Bannon being indicted um, and also books being banned. It's a very ban theme. Uh, And uh, they're going to stick around with me to do a bonus bish. Remember, if you're a patron of this show, you get 15 to 20 more minutes of content, depending on how good we're feeling. Sometimes it's more. Sometimes we just hang. Uh, But I felt like we would be remiss not to discuss Josh Hawley's little tirade little i don't know not even tirade just sort of weird boy scout rant about masculinity and uh what's wrong with it and how democrats are destroying it so i I wanted to get their opinion on that and share mine because there's there's a small grain of truth in what he's saying um but not in the way that you might think Um, So stay tuned for that. Also, Mariah Kaplan of If Not Now, which is an anti-occupation Jewish-led organization here in the United States working on lobbying Congress uh, to ramp down and end the endless funding for uh, the Israeli military, is going to be on with us to talk all about what If Not Now does, all about the prospects for, um, for an end to the occupation or at least an end to the U.S. funding of the occupation in our lifetimes. I don't know. Just been going on for a very long time. So sit tight. Uh, and we have a great show planned for y'all. Uh, but I don't know if the Patreon information was clear enough. Patreon.com slash Room. 
That's how you support the show until, uh, you know, I get that sweet, sweet Spotify money, baby. See, all I figure is I got to look, do MMA, go bald, sympathize with right wingers, wonder if like trans kids equals, uh, uh, child abuse. Yeah, that's it. That's just, you know, and then, and then Spotify gives me a deal and then I'm Joe Rogan. And it's great. And then I hawk ivermectin and it's awesome. Uh, but until then I rely on you. Wonderful people. Obviously I'm never going down that primrose path. Um, so yes, become a patron. You get all that extra bonus content and you get 20% off of our merchandise, which you can get at situationroom.com is where you get your merch. You get two different kinds of shirts. We got stickers. We got tote bags. Um, and also we're doing this very cute little raffle. So at the end of next month, uh, I'm raffling away three books. That's right. People still read, but there are three of my favorites from two awesome mentors and authors, Max Elbaum, Naomi Klein, um, raffling off his revolution in the air. 60s radicals turned to Lenin, Che and Mao. Um, How to Change Everything by Naomi Klein, which is the Young Human's Guide to Protecting the Planet for like uh, young folks in your life. And then We Own the Future, which is a book that I actually contributed to. Uh, I wrote a whole chapter about what if stand-up comedy but socialism. And uh, yeah, it's it's the last chapter, but that means it's the best chapter, dude. Um, so make sure to Get that merch. Sorry. The reason the raffle exists is because you get your merch. You take a photo of yourself. You hashtag Francifa swag. We enter you into the raffle and one lucky listener or viewer will get that loot. We're going to add a couple things to it. Again, I'm not sure if it's going to be just like a bunch of ro- like rose petals or um, a lock of my cat's hair. You know what I mean? Like one of those things. Um, it's going to be Ramona's ear. Here you go. I could raffle off her tooth. I do have her extracted tooth. If anyone wants Ramona's extracted tooth, holler. Um, all right. We're, <laughs> well, let's get into this, you guys. Uh, every week we start off the same way, which is asking everybody, what are you bitching about? Today is no different, even though it's a Tuesday night. Uh, everybody uh, get yo. I don't know. I was going to say get your bitch caps on, which is the funny. Like, I feel like someone would be like, hey, that's a that's a bitch cap if I ever saw one. Get your bitch caps on uh, because this is what are you bitching about? Okay, very quickly. Um, obviously, COP26 wrapped this week and uh, I have a lot of thoughts about COP26, but you know, there's a commitment to maybe do something in the future, a uh, commitment to stay 1.8 degrees uh, Celsius, only warm the planet by 1.8 degrees Celsius, which is good. That is if everyone makes good on their promises, of course, which it's pretty much, again, like a scout's honor type situation. And, you know, China and the United States have been coming to the table to talk, which is actually really good. It is good to discuss climate change and how to stop it. Um, so there's some silver linings for the first time, for the first time, swear to God, first time these agreements include the words fossil fuels. 
which has never been done before. It's like, well, climate change is happening. It's just, it's happening to us. We have no idea why. We don't have anything to do with it. Doopy doo. Like, so finally they're talking about fossil fuels. Uh, India apparently lobbied for the language in, uh, in the agreement around coal to be changed from scale um, phase out to phase down. So it'll fill phase down. It doesn't matter because... Again, there's no accountability to do any of it uh, except for, you know, the future of the planet. So let's hope, you know, we can just sort of like say prayers and stuff. But I'm bitching about the fact that in the same week that Joe Biden, you know, heralded this this moment, this agreement in Glasgow, that he simultaneously is now about to lease um, 80 million acres of Gulf of, of the Gulf of Mexico for oil and gas permits. 80 million acres in the Gulf of Mexico the day after. Now, I read this and I was like, this is insane. What are you talking about? The hypocrisy is so fucking overwhelming. There's no way. And lo and behold, actually, he had put a hold on that sale. He didn't want to sell. These are federal waters. Didn't want to sell it. And the government was essentially sued along with oil companies and a few states sued to say, no, 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 you should put this up for sale. And instead of fighting that lawsuit, um, Sorry, the courts ruled against the government. And instead of fighting it and not complying, Biden is basically like, okay, fine. And this has been called by environmental groups. If we develop this, these waters and extract oil, a carbon bomb. Fun, right? And so, you know, according to some, he can use executive authority to basically say no. Um, he can fight it. He can appeal. But instead, he's not. He's allowing it to go forward, I believe, in the first of, the, of next month of uh, sorry, next year. That's at the same time that he's banning uh, drilling around the Chaco Canyon, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site in, in northwestern New Mexico. So that's great, you know, and that's going to get the headline and, you know, people are going to talk about that. But like, you know, you're giving with one hand and taking with the other. We're sort of we're we are just a self-defeating situation. And and by, we've talked about this on other shows, right? That Biden has said, look, we want to move to renewables, but we can't yet. You know, we can't wean ourselves. We're not ready to go cold turkey. Um, you know, we are not ready. We're going to go to the meetings, but we're not going to like commit to not be an addict anymore. Um, and honestly, I have way more sympathy for addicts than I do for fucking Joe Biden and the fossil fuel industry. So <laughs> that shit's way harder than just getting off of goddamn fossil fuels. So that's what I'm bitching about. And uh, let me know in the comments what you guys are bitching about. But without further ado, let's bring up my my co comedian for the hour. Uh, they're a stand-up comic, actor, and writer seen on Adam Rooms, Ruins Everything, Take My Wife, Good Trouble, Ellen, HBO, Comedy Central, and Conan. Please welcome R.B. Butcher. Hey, you used them all. <laughs> all the credits oh hell yeah was i only supposed to choose one <laughs> i mean i just provided as many as possible and then you, you read them all and i appreciated it <laughs> that's uh i as someone whose credits everyone's like are those real things are those like <laughs> i say i say put it in you know what i mean like i mean yeah followed right. by aoc you know what i mean I mean, yeah, I forgot to put that one in there. That's, yeah, that's a positive exactly. one. one. And I checked in before I came on, still follows me. Hell Hasn't yeah. Hasn't left. Yeah. 
That's my my claim to fame too. Is followed by AOC. One time, AOC gave me a hug. Uh, AOC hearts my DMs, but never replies. Nice. Like you know what I mean? Like sure. that's like it's that's honestly very kind of her. A person with twelve million followers. <laughs> Harding DMs. That's honestly, that's a lot. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot. You know what I it's mean? It's doing a lot. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm yeah. special, but I'm, I'm going to say you're pretty special. I'm up there. I'm up there yeah. in, in, uh, in her tears of anyway, it's probably, I'm probably far yeah, underneath there, her man. dog, but, um, RB, what are you bitching about this yeah. Tuesday? Tell me, tell us, tell everything. I mean, I'm going to keep it pretty simple. I've got I've got two things. Well, the first thing is kind of funny. So uh, the first thing is people who use the word female a lot. Ooh, <laughs> I don't I don't like it. I saw I saw some like tweet by a pickup artist oh, that was like you you see this woman exit the female restroom. Like what? That's not a thing. Nobody calls it that. <laughs> like why? It always 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 creeps me out when people use female because you never hear people referring to men as male unless they're it's like a cop description or something you know what so I mean? it's like a rundown of it just it just is it it's a weird uh like weird sexist imbalance and it just it like tells me a lot about a person that i should probably stay away from especially <laughs> in a it sounds super clinical and then in any kind of pickup artist situation it's like you should be like rubbing mm-hmm. your hands together and going like the females oh, yeah. you know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah super it's super creepy I mean, obviously, we're it's pickup artists pretty creepy to begin with. One hundred percent. So it's not like I'm, you know, it's it's like some cool person or something like that. No. But it's just in general. Whenever I see people using the word female, I'm just like, mm, something's up with you. You need to think about things a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I think it's you know it's interesting because sometimes I'll say like female comics because yeah, lady comics sound really bad and like. I don't know why lady just sounds just sort of like little, little lady, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And like, um, women comics also, it's, I don't know why, but there's some, it's almost hard yeah. to say. No, you're women right. Comics. Yeah. Um, I mean, female comics is one of the exceptions to this rule that I'm bitching about, which is that like that actually, that one actually makes it sense. rolls <laughs> a little bit better, but then, and, and like, I mean, speaking as someone who's has a identifies as they, it's very like, being brought up on any kind of comedy show must be its own thing. But like as a woman being brought up, I it's when people are like this lady, this next lady, or this sometimes I've straight, I think I've been brought up as like this female, like you're like, Oh my yeah, God. It's crazy. Oh God. Dude. So, so before any of my own like gender, like specific gender journey that is of recent, mm-hmm. I hosted a stand up show that lasted for like seven years and it was also a podcast. And I made a decision very early on in my own self that I didn't use any gendered pronouns or words for like years yeah. when I was bringing people up. Yeah. I would, this is how I would say, I would be like, this next comic, you've seen them on this, you've seen them on that, because that's the other thing that people, I feel like we're at this moment where people don't realize that they and them is not some like protected, like you only use it for people that use it. That's not the only point. Like the point of expanding your understanding of gender and what gender is and the limits of language is using that more often. Yeah. (laughs) Is like using it instead of in like, like there's signage that says like, ask your doctor, he or she might be able to help you. It's like, just use they right there. They might be able to help you. You know what I mean? Like it's such a waste of time and energy. And so that was something that I did. And it was a great practice because 
Oh, you I know, bet. It, there there is so much inherent se- like intrinsic sexism that people don't even realize that when you say this uh, this next comic, she's going to be so great. Yes. People start to form an opinion. Yes. And so I did my best to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> so when somebody came out, they just were like, okay. And then it started from there. But you, you they still got, objectify they them. Time. I mean, you still objectify them sexually. Like they're real hot. They got they're a, so they hot. got a real wait nice till you ass. See, wait till you see this box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. I turned them into an object, but I gave them a chance. <laughs> All right, that's is this that's a light thing, right? Anything else? That's my light thing. And then obviously, you know, I just want to point out my shirt. Just wanted to point this one out for everybody. Don't mess um, with trans my, kids. That's right. Um, you can get this. Uh, the Instagram is don't mess with trans kids. So very easy to find. I love um, that. all the money from these shirts. Do, uh, they donate to uh, fighting anti-trans legislation, which is the other thing that I'm bitching about. And to specify any of it would be to miss <laughs> that it's uh, just. Uh, consistent and abundant, um, which is so frustrating and sad to me, you know? Yeah. Um, So that's the thing that I'm bitching about because the the thing that has been the most frustrating to me specifically about the sports, uh, the anti-trans sports is that it's that classic right wing slash conservative that then bleeds into moderate thinking Mm. that technically it's not banning kids from sports because it's not banning, in my mind, it's banning trans kids from sports. But they go, up, 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 they can play sports. They just can't be trans is what it is. But they don't, it's like this, it's it's so messed up to me. Yes. <laughs> you know, because basically they're saying like, yeah, no, just don't be who you are and then you'll be fine. You know, you can do that later. And like, that's yeah. um, antithetical to humanity, you know, <laughs> like just let, we're talking about children. Yep. They're eight years old playing soccer. And you give a shit, you know what I mean? Like it's no, it's you, so you, messed up. Exactly. You you don't like sports. You don't like kids, and you mm-hmm. definitely don't like women. Which is all like that's like, it's 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 anti-trans. Um, it's transphobic, and then it's also super yeah. misogynistic. You know, and this is my thing with like anything that has anything that whiffs of like, yeah, Christian nationalist. You know. Um, agenda around like Mm -hmm. around this kind of stuff um culture war bullshit is like look the day that you know women are paid as well as much as men women like you you can survive on only one income like um fucking there's universal childcare and paid family leave and all Mm -hmm. this and all the support for women that like, and it's incredible to have a kid in this country. Then maybe I'll take 5% (laughs) of your anti-abortion like argument. Seriously. The day you fucking air women's sports on everything, you give a shit, you know, (laughs) that, you know, with a women's soccer team has won however many gold medals, um, gold cups. See, I can't even say it that we've won. Like the day you fucking care about that shit is the day I'll believe that you actually care about women's sports, but you don't. Well, because they're just using it as a human shield because they don't they don't care about. It. Ultimately, this comes down to like rich people will always be able to have abortions. Rich people will always be able to access trans friendly healthcare. Yes, rich people will buy their way into it. All of these laws affect poor people. Yeah, and people who don't have the means to get around it. And that is is who they want to punish because most trans people are not Caitlyn Jenner. Most trans people are working class, not even middle class, 
working class or poor, yep. you know? So these laws are punishing people who are, are the smallest of the smallest of the smallest, you know, in our society. And that's what's taking millions of dollars away from community spaces and healthcare. Anyway, Fuck that. that's what I'm bitching about. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> no, go off. I love it. I will always go off about it. Thank you for doing so. All right. We got to move on to everything that happened this week. We're getting into the week. Uh, okay. So a few, a few things, emails revealed that Trump officials pressured the CDC to downplay the coronavirus, which is pretty damning evidence of negligence other than, you know, the words and actions coming out of the white house every single day of last year, trying to downplay the coronavirus um, arguments wrapped in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse ending with a very biased Judge's bizarre courtroom ramblings about his smartphone. Like, does he want Rittenhouse acquitted so he can get tech support? Is that like what he's like? Oh, now you're mine. Now you get to help me, son. Um, Britney Spears was allowed to leave her conservatorship after 13 years. And the only thing that could ruin this is if she uses her newfound freedom to scream outside of a Whole Foods about masks. Like, <laughs> what, like what if she's an anti-vaxxer? Like, what if... I mean, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. No. I do hope she does some crazy shit, though. I do hope she just lives her life and everybody's like, oh, boy. And and you have to be like, no, she's a free person. Totally. Free people get to do whatever they want. <laughs> totally. No, exactly. I hope she just, like, spins in the middle of Times Square forever like she, you know, has been doing on her Instagram. But just and be like, what? Yes. Say shit. Say With shit. With rose petals. <laughs> um. And world leaders came to an agreement at the Glasgow UN Climate Summit to keep global warming well below two degrees Celsius. That is, if every country complies. And honestly, at this point, my money is on a global socialist revolution. That's more likely to happen. It'll be better. And Biden signed the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which is, again, only $550 billion of new spending. And now he's touring the country to sell it to the American people. And I honestly think he should tour China to sell infrastructure to the American people. Like just get on a high speed rail from like Beijing to Shanghai and be like, this could be us, but you playing. Um, and finally, uh, Mr. Joe Rogan claims that he can suck his own dick, which is fitting since self fellatio is the entire point of his podcast. And <laughs> now we know what the Joe Rogan experience is. <laughs> It's tasting your own cum. Uh, for everything oh, else, woof. this is the week where. This was the week where uh, the black lung from every anti-smoking commercial, Steve Bannon, turned himself in after being criminally indicted for contempt of Congress after he defied a subpoena uh, from the January 6th committee. Um, the Mucinex virus cartoon come to life, uh, didn't wait to be smoked out from his home as he usually does, but he surrendered to a judge at, and on Monday, mm -hmm. the 67 year old Bannon surrendered earlier in the day to FBI agents. He was indicted on Friday on two federal counts of criminal contempt, one for refusing to appear for a congressional deposition and the other for refusing to provide documents in response to the committee's subpoena. The committee said that Bannon urged Trump to focus on the congressional certification and was present at an event at the Willard Hotel on January 5th in which Trump allies tried to persuade members of Congress to vote against the results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had a whole meeting at a hotel yeah. with 
might even call that a sort of a rally kind of a situation. Yeah, know? almost like it was <laughs> planned or yeah, that was the plan all along. Like like foresight, you'd almost say. Um, they probably had like champagne at that. There was a PowerPoint and a deck. There was definitely a deck involved. There was like lanyards and they gave away like little yetis and stuff totally like that. totally and like <laughs> and like a t-shirt cannon that was just like sedition. a t-shirt bannon what t-shirt bannon he did hey. he did send him out okay so this is him let's let bannon speak okay because we definitely don't want to look at him so let's listen to him uh this is him outside of uh i believe a courthouse where he turned himself in um very defined okay hang on they have their opinions i'm telling you right now this is going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden. Joe Biden ordered Merrick Garland to prosecute me from the White House lawn when he got off Marine One. And we're going to do, we're going to go on the offense. We're tired of playing defense. We're going to go on the offense on this and stand by. They, by the way, by the way, by the way, you should understand Nancy Pelosi took is taking on Donald Trump and Steve Bannon. She ought to ask Hillary Clinton how that turned out for them, okay? We're going on the offense. Okay. <laughs> okay. My my favorite is the standby, like the stand back and standby, like the oh, the yeah. proud boys. Stand back and stand. I love boy oh boy. Just the idea that Nancy Pelosi and Merrick Garland are like radicals who are politicizing the justice the system. Like oh, <laughs> if only if only they politicize the justice system. Everyone says Merrick Garland's not doing shit in there. Um, and he wants, everyone wants to return back to normal seat. The dude just didn't show up. He needed to, he needs to appear. He has to answer some questions. He's the one who can't actually fucking face what he did. He can't even lie. Like, can you not lie, dude? You do it all the time. <laughs> Such drama queens. Like everything is, it's like that had the energy of like somebody that you were playing wiffle ball with in your neighborhood and they didn't like that they were out and they're like, yo, I'm, you go home. You know, like it just. <laughs> Like, you're making this all up. This is the misdemeanor know? of a century. <laughs> I was not out. My foot was on the bag. <laughs> That's Jeff. right. I was safe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I also love that Steve Bannon begs this question of, like, what is the opposite of a silver fox? You know, like, <laughs> like someone who goes gray but wrong. And I think yeah. the opposite of a silver fox is, like, a gray grease hen. That's what I've... Yeah. I like that. Gray, gray I mean, I was going to go with like a beige possum, but I don't want to be offensive to possums because yeah. possums are really cute and I like them a lot. So I don't want to be offensive to that animal, you know? <laughs> I very much disagree with you on that. And I'm I, I'm reconsidering having you on this program right now. Possums, <laughs> possums only weapon of defense is how ugly they are. They're just like, <sighs> even like the- They play dead. <laughs> That's they are defense. dead they're zombies they go like, never mind yeah i know and they they get rid of all the pests around your house and stuff <sighs> they're so slow they can't see shit but have you ever seen them as a baby francesca they're adorable as they're little babies that. they're marsupials it's a marsupial in my yard gross Can you it? gross no i did have one in my <laughs> yard that i was like i don't know if that's a baby or not but it's scary as hell and there's there's <laughs> they look like they're in pain they're, they're always sort oh, of yeah. like owie <laughs> Yeah, they definitely they definitely look as though they're like, why am I here? Why did this happen to me? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I do think they were like reincarnations of, you know, war criminals. Like 
you know, uh, Rumsfeld. I hope so. Is a possum right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, a little bit more about Bannon. Obviously, what does this mean? Um, it looks like he could face a minimum of 30 days and a maximum of one year in jail, as well as $100 to $1,000 for each of the two charges of contempt. A thousand dollars? But that. How is this the punishment for something that terrible? You know what I like? I mean, I also am like, is it that terrible? Because I don't totally, you know, believe in the justice system at all. But how can somebody who is like messing with everything have to pay a thousand dollars yeah <laughs> and then people who are who sold weed in 1987 are spending the rest of their life in prison. <laughs> exactly it doesn't it doesn't make any sense well it looks like he's avoiding that he was very scared of the thousand dollars which is which is very revelatory as to his financial situation um let's just say he is really trying to sell ads on his podcast <laughs> because he he did appear and he he turned himself in and so federal magistrate judge robin merriweather released him without bail, but required him to check in weekly with court officials and ordered him to surrender his passport. If convicted, Bannon faces a minimum of 30 days and a maximum of one year. There we go. Exactly. Behind bars. So this is my question. Does he actually still have to testify? Like he would rather spend 30 days in jail or a thousand, pay a thousand dollars and not have to actually answer to the person that he's scared of. It's not necessarily Nancy Pelosi, but it is Nancy Pelosi. He's scared of this committee. You think he's scared of yeah, this Yeah, that's what he, the whole thing is him being fucking scared of it. Otherwise, he'd be like, yeah, I'll sit for your stupid interview and whatever. And mm-hmm. I'll lie and I'll, you know, take the heat and that's it. And you'll present your evidence and then we'll go home. And let's be honest, nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen to the people and the planners of the January 6th insurrection. No, I, I mean, but I'll say this. This is what I think. And I'll make it very fast. Yes. I think they do this because it makes them a lot of money. I think that this is all just this. This is just a circus show and they make a lot of money off of it. (laughs) And that's it. There's like, I don't actually think any of those people actually think they're going to have to pay anything that they can't afford. And I mean, jail time, I mean, money, all of that. Yeah, because it's a show. This is a it's a television show at this point. I'm really loving the cop, you know? Yeah. That's what I think. I'm loving these comments, you guys. Thank you for being here. I mean, Ryan Ridauer saying it's a badge of honor. It's for Bannon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. Michael Hasty saying he doesn't have to testify. That's it. So you can contempt of Congress and it's like 30 days and done. Um, I mean, he's in. Look, there's already like D.C. jails are full of uh, January Sixers and Oath Keepers. He's in good company. All right. We got to move on. The next story. Yep. This was the week where anti-critical race theory, let's start again. This was the week where the anti-critical race theory crusade rolled on as more and more schools have been banning books from libraries that parents claim are indoctrinating their kids, which is like a total humble brag. All right. Like if you've got a kid who's reading a book in a library in the year 2021, like you should put that on a bumper sticker. That's like good on you. <laughs> Uh, my kid can get through a whole page. Um, of course, they're targeting books written by black and LGBTQ plus authors. And there is a theme on which books they're the most triggered by. But if you haven't been following this, which I, you know, I've been, it's like not trying to stare at something that's like so painful to actually like 
look at, you know, but, and it does have a Bannon connection in fact, but so this is in um, Wichita, Kansas, a small suburban school district pulled 29 books out of its libraries. The decision to remove those books came after one father complained about the young adult novel, The Hate You Give, which is about a young black girl who witnesses a police officer murder her best friend and then followed up with a list of 28 other books he deemed offensive to his sensibilities, in addition to novels like Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye, Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, and Sherman Alexie's The Absolute True Diary of a Part-Time Indian. Um, the, the list also featured a robust selection of books with queer themes. So this is the Goddard School District. And around the same time, in Spotsylvania County School Board in Virginia ordered the removal of books deemed, quote, sexually explicit, Two parents, Christina and Robert Burris, had complained about the books on offer at school libraries, particularly books with LGBT themes. Uh, quote, results for gay, 172. Results for heterosexual, two, Christina Burris told the school board. She continued, one of those two books is actually Speak No Evil, Hear No Evil, which is about a Nigerian gay boy. Results for pedophilia, 16. Lesbian, 84. Jesus, 19. But half of them are about Muslims. What? So uh, this is like, this is parents learning like the Dewey Decimal System so they can like look up the word gay. Um, I understand the Dewey Decimal System doesn't exist, but they're basically just Googling and like RIP. Let's pour one out for the for the triple D or the double D. Um, like they're just going on their students and their kids library websites looking up gay and then getting mad yep that's all because i guarantee especially that first one with the 28 books that man did not read those books no (laughs) and they did not read those books either so that means purely simply that it contains this idea and i don't even totally know what it is it's bad (laughs) you know yeah exactly i think that if you ban a book if you let's say okay, if you lobby your school board or uh, to ban a book, you should have to present a book report on that. I book. was yes, hundred percent. Right? You should have to read it, and you should have to write at least a book report at the same level of your child yes. that you are banning <laughs> the book on behalf of. Exactly. So that that could be good because it might only be a third grade level book report. But guess what? You're going to have to write a third grade level book report on the bluest eye. Mm-hmm. So good luck with that. My and friend. by the end of it, you might understand something and you'll be like, oh, I get it. Okay. 20, right. 27 books I want to ban. But then you've got to <laughs> do 27 right. book reports. Why are we holding parents to different standards than the children? Exactly. It makes no sense. Um, but I do want to show one in particular. I mean, this it's getting obviously completely bizarre. Um, this is in North Kansas City, Missouri, pulling two books with queer characters and themes. One, All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson and Fun Home by Alison Bechtel. So Alison Bechtel is a cartoonist, um, a comic book writer and illustrator. Uh, and they've got a new like documentary. Um, and anyway, apparently I, I want to watch it. I want to learn more about her. But, <laughs> but this one parent from North Kansas in Missouri, North Kansas City in Missouri, had a lot to say about Alison Bechtel. And this was his little diatribe, including uh, pictures and images that I don't know who, who is holding up. This poor kid is holding up for him. Let's take a look. 
and female with female sex with detailed description, descriptions and pictures of oral sex with her girlfriend. Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison. And I quote, this is what's in the book. What if I told you I touched another guy's dick? I said, what if I told you I sucked it? I was 10 years old, but it's true. I put Doug Goble's dick in my mouth. I was in fourth grade. It was no big deal because he sucked mine too. Why are we giving this and allowing this to our kids? They're minors. If you want this discussed, it should be something that should be discussed at home. Should you discuss it at home? You really want to discuss that at home? I'm just going to say I would much prefer to learn about oral sex from a book uh, than any parent try to talk to me about that. I'm just going to be honest. Like, let me find that I in mean, a library. Oh so if you, yeah, that's what it's for. Cause guess what? The other option is porn. <laughs> They're going to find that if they can't read it in a book from the library, a cartoon by Alison Bechtel of like adorable, like you can't even see any, come on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Leave it alone. I'm also like, you're looking for problems. These people are looking for problems. They're so scared to talk to their own kids. <laughs> They're like, well, I find a problem in the library instead. <laughs> you're so right though. Like honestly, kids, sadly, and we can, there's a whole other conversation and we're going to talk about Josh Holly and his show. thoughts on porn <laughs> later on in our bonus episode, but that's oh, exactly yeah. right. Like, Kids are way overexposed to all kinds of sex. Is your problem that it is like male on male, woman on, that it's lesbians? Like, what is That's your the problem? What, it, yeah. Because it's possibility. It's possibility that that is a possibility. Right. Because those things kids could find on television right now. Like, two people talking about oral sex, absolutely on television. Or watching oral Especially sex. Especially heterosexual. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. How do you want <laughs> you know them, what I mean? Exactly. How do you want them to learn about it? From porn, from, you know, like some whatever. You know what I'm saying? You want to, you yeah, want them to right. learn from Pornhub or you want them to learn from like Alison Bechtel's beautifully illustrated book? <laughs> yeah. There's themes it's like about, about family. There's a, yeah, there, there's, yeah. there's an arc. I'm going to go with the latter. Honestly, I want it to yeah. be artsy. But anyway, creative, understanding, kind, compassionate, giving, (laughs) you know? Yeah, somebody is a selfish. Very scary. He's a selfish lover for sure. Um, Oh, that's without a doubt. All right, we got to move on. We're going to bring in our guests. But before we do, a couple uh, questions, a couple comments from uh, ye old chat. Uh, Matt Claremont says, I'm bitching about the lack of bitch caps on the merch show. Me too, dude. I really want some bitch caps on the merch shop. It's like, I'd be like, get your bitch cap on bitchuationroom.com. Uh, I really like, like, they're they're more expensive, the ones I want that are, like, nicely stitched. You know, like, a, a nice hat that has, like, yeah. a stitching. Well, you've got a, a Dodgers hat on. And embroidered. Embroidered, embroidered exactly. Yeah. Embroidered yeah. hats are the cute ones. Otherwise, it's just kind of stamped and, like, you don't want to invest in something like that. Uh, Paper Bullets says uh, on Bannon, a hairdresser needs to go on the offense with Bannon's hair. Yeah. What would that even, I think, oof, I don't even want to know. I mean, <laughs> the only other option for him is to have like sort of the Nazi boy, you know, haircut. Swoop. The swoop. Yeah. That little thing. Mm-hmm. 
The flomp. The flomp. I think just bald everywhere, but then like the tuft in the front. Sure, yeah. But like curtain bangs? Yeah, the backwards duck. Yes. Uh, Shay said, good old U.S. of a-holes. I like that one. On Critical Race Theory, pow nobody now, uh, or P-O-W nobody now. They hate cancel culture, but they love to cancel books. Yeah, literal Nazi shit. No, we're not Nazis. It's, yeah, it's we're gonna do Nazi shit. Yeah, it's and oh, and this is the part that I didn't mention, and we had a whole segment on this, but it's completely astroturfed, you guys. This entire movement, yeah. and and I, you have to take a second. But the Heritage Foundation is has been behind mm-hmm. it. Um, other groups like uh, Alec, the American Legislative Exchange Council, has been behind it. This is the right. Nineteen seventy one. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much fucking like, shit up from behind the scenes dude. since nineteen seventy one. Also, you said uh, Kansas City, right? There, there is a Phyllis Schlafly Library in St. Louis. I don't think there's a single book in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just the, this shit. They've been doing this forever. Yeah, and they they uh, the the thing that keeps working is people think it's new. Yep. And the, the problem for me is that the liberals think it's new. <laughs> They're like, oh my God. And I'm like, no, dude, this is like a 50 year thing. It's been going on for a long ass time. That is a really important point. How are, oh, they're winning. They're just capturing the moment. People are upset. No, 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 they're not. It's the no, same man, shit it's always been. It's the same homophobic, anti-gay, fucking like xenophobic shit. It's always been racist stuff. It's always, it's been, it's a satanic panic. Uh, it's, oh, it's, yeah. uh, welfare Queens pick a different decade. You got a new name for it. Always going to have different language. It's just different their, language. Their, their language is always evolving, but we're the weirdos that, that have, you know, this like evolution of language and we are changing everything and then canceling everybody and all that stuff. Yeah. It's the same like shit. And they just and going, fighting with each other. What do they really think? What are they? Mm, maybe mm-hmm. they're onto something. Mm, are what's we, it really about? Are we moving they're too just fast? Upset. Maybe we've left them behind. Um, all right. We got to we gotta move on. I'm so sorry to keep our awesome guests waiting. Um, we're talking about uh, progressive Jews in the United States uh, taking Congress to task on their support of an occupation that uh, is a violation of human rights pretty much every single day. Um, and I'm so excited to talk to her. She is the managing director of If Not Now. Please welcome Mariah Kaplan. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, really, really happy to have you. I've never had anyone from If Not Now on the show, but I've been, I'm a huge fan Great. of your guys' work. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, Mariah, can you just tell me, like, why did If Not Now start? And and who who are your members? Yeah. And, like, like what's kind of what's the political role that you feel, like, If Not Now? For plays? sure. So we started in the summer of 2014, um, which was before this past May, the last time that Israel, you know, decided to bomb the shit out of Gaza. Um, and it was an uh, air invasion. It was a ground invasion. Um, and the kind of Jewish community in America writ large was sort of like Israel's right to defend itself, beating the drums of war, super hawkish. And a group of um, young American Jewish people came together and they were like, this is not, this feels really bad. This is really disgusting mm. to watch our community kind of celebrate this um, and not really uh, recognize the 
dis- vastly disproportionate loss of life. Um, 2,000 Palestinians killed, many of them non-combatants, um, and also really recognize the how many Israelis were also killed. Like, this is a tragedy. It's not a good thing. Um, and so we started organizing that summer, summer of 2014, um, to shift the attitudes of American Jews, organize American Jews um, in support of free Palestine against occupation, against apartheid. Um, you know, obviously a lot has changed since then. We elected Trump. Uh, not, not me, but, you know, us. Um, mm-hmm. A settlement was named after yeah, Trump. Yeah, yeah. That's my, that's like my favorite disgusting tidbit of the Netanyahu. Yeah. Uh, Trump love affair. It's like, oh, I'm going to name a settlement. Right. It's like the most horrible nexus of like the sort of like real estate grossness and the like occupation grossness and the Trump love affair. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, obviously the occupation apartheid has marched onward since then. Um, but we are organizing lots of young Jews in particular. Um, you know, over the last few years, we have upwards of 10,000 people come to protests, workshops, events, trainings. Um, we have a small staff, but hundreds of highly committed volunteer leaders. Um, and we are doing what we can to really um, to shift things. Um, yeah. You, you, you know, I love part of your mission statement, which basically says, I'll read it, APAC. Um, which is, you know, the biggest arm of the Israeli lobby, the biggest uh, group in the Israeli lobby, the sort of broad Israeli lobby. Um, AIPAC has weaponized Jewish identity and false accusations of anti-Semitism to ensure the politicians across the board vote to give Israel a blank check, even as it continues to deny freedom and dignity to the Palestinian people. I think that weaponizing Jewish identity is really, uh, I mean, you cuts deep, like you named it, put your finger on it. Tell me more about what that means to you and more broadly, maybe to the members of your organization. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think personally, I am extremely offended and I think it's super gross every time APAC, you know, calls Ilhan Omar an anti-Semite. You know, they invite Trump and, uh, you know, Steve King to the APAC conference. They love... um, Kufi Christians United for Israel, led by Pastor John Hagee, who once said that um, Hitler was sent by God to hasten the uh, uh, return of all the Jews to Israel, right? And they want to make common mm-hmm. cause with these people because even despite the fact that they hate Jews, they love Israel. Um, and it's, yeah, so they're really weaponizing this kind of story around and and the fact that, you know, genocide was relatively recent in our history, um, and being yeah. like, well, we, you know, we care about Jewish safety. And so therefore that requires oppressing Palestinians, um, you know, whereas they don't really give a fuck about Jews um, or Jewish yeah. people or Jewish and safety. And that really came into, I mean, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. That really did crystallize under Trump. You know, yeah. I think it's interesting that if not now form before he yeah. was elected, Right. And then you're like, nah, see, this is exactly yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, we, we kind of tried to talk about some of these connections in our trainings before Trump was elected. And a lot of people were like, we really don't want to talk about anti-Semitism. Like there was a very strong reaction um, because of the ways that anti-Semitism has been so weaponized by folks on the right to, you know, smear people of color, progressive leaders, um, anyone who criticizes Israel and occupation. And then Trump started campaigning and there was a lot of bad shit, but it also made it a lot 
easier in many ways to show those connections, you know, the love affair between Trump and Netanyahu and the fact that they're really pulling from the same playbook when it comes to like xenophobia, wall building, um, authoritarianism. Um, So it it does really. The right here in this country is so jealous of especially the the security apparatus. They point to Israel constantly like they like that Israel invented the idea of a border wall. You know, they're like, well, if Israel can do it, we can do it. Um, which obviously, you know, let's say nothing of like the racist past of this country. Let's just be like, well, the Jews said it was okay. So it's okay. So we're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, No, I mean, I keep on remembering that the day, not only do we see a Nazi salute in once again, another hotel, RB and I were talking about, uh, you know, just uh, all these conference rooms with Nazis in them. Uh, on the day Trump was elected, but I remember that I believe Jewish headstones in a in a graveyard were toppled the same day, like almost as a celebration, you know. And this yeah. is supposedly someone who calls out anti-Semitism in others. But anyway, I want to your the if not now's tactics, I think are mm-hmm. what also are really unique about you guys, which is you know you're, there's no di- there is dialogue, but it's not really about dialogue or understanding or you know trips or theater. It is like civil disobedience, pressure campaigns, maybe getting arrested if need be, um, street actions, and really focusing on Congress. Um, Why and what are you, have you seen a shift even just in the years that you guys have been around? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll talk first about our tactics. I mean, I think, and this is important because I think a lot of people, and this happens with all movements, you know, they're like, we support the cause, we don't support the tactics, why do you have to be divisive? And I think the thing about dialogue groups and trips are really, really important, and they appeal to people who are already on board. And there's a lot of people who are just like going about their daily lives being like, I don't really need to pick a side on this, um, or I can pay some lip service, but don't really need to do anything serious, like many members of Congress, Democratic Mm -hmm. leaders. And so um, the goal is to actually be like, you can't ignore this. We're, we're at your door. Um, we're coming for you. We're your, we're your constituents. Um, and to, to force a choice because there are, you know, it's extremely easy, obviously, for people not to. Um, in terms of the, you know, the change that we've seen in, po- in politics, you know, in the past seven years um, on this issue, certainly, but like important to mention the kind of broader context of a rising, you know, progressive movement, some of the most visionary progressive leaders. We've seen a generation, really strong um, social movements and people power, the Black Lives Matter movement, really reorienting, really, um, I think, causing everyone to reorient to how we see and understand state power and state violence, right? And so I do think there's shifts happening. Um, You know, the McCollum bill is a good example, Betty McCollum. introduced uh, a bill saying that the U.S. should not fund, you know, detaining children, settlement expansion, annexation, home demolition, et cetera. And there are 30 members of Congress who are signed on to it. Um, and that's a big deal. That's huge. Yeah, it's a big deal. And last summer, you know, 15 members of Congress for the very first time tried to stop a weapons deal to Israel. You know, the Biden trying to off- authorize an additional $730 million of weapons uh, in the midst of you know, the escalation in May while Israel is literally, you know, bombing Gaza, trying to send more weapons, which obviously he succeeded. But the fact that 15 members of Congress in the first place even, you know, tried to stop it, I mean, has not happened in decades. Like that's been so far beyond what has kind of um, been considered politically possible or politically advisable. And so 
this is all good. So yes. even if it's one, even if it's just one congressperson, um, you see that as a win, like a gaining, gaining. I ground. mean, it's just been so out of the question, you know, in the, over the past several decades that you could, um, that you could question the actions of the Israeli government, that you could call out, you know, the Israel's abuses of Palestinian human rights. And still it's an extremely toxic political climate. You know, you have um, Rashida Tlaib who spoke about the Iron Dome, um, you know, and mm-hmm. voted against additional funding for the Iron Dome. And Ted Deutsch is, you know, on the middle of the House floor calling her a raging anti-Semite. Like that is the that's the climate that they're in. And so the fact that there are some people starting to speak out on it, like that's just where our politics are. And that's actually a big deal. Um, and that shows that there are, I mean, yeah, it's a big deal to have champions. We didn't have champions, you know, seven years ago. Totally. We didn't, we didn't have a representative or she we didn't have a Palestinian woman in Congress. Like that's huge. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And and I want to ask, because we had Jamal Bowman on the show, Representative yeah. Bowman, and I asked him very explicitly about his vote for an additional billion dollars of Iron Dome funding. And he was saying that his constituents essentially were just like blowing him up. You know, they were like calling all the time, writing, et cetera. And he felt like he couldn't in good faith go against that uh, and still be responsive. And he was, you know, he was like, yes, I understand about Palestinian human rights. What would it take to get someone like Jamal Bowman, the one of the newer members of the squad, to vote, you know, vote against additional funding when we already give so much military aid? For sure. I mean, I think, again, like this isn't about Jamal Bowman. You know, he is uh, representative of, of where the political climate is, of what is politically mm-hmm. possible right now. Um, and you know, the fact that he is right. He, but he's listening to his constituents and honestly, like they out organized us. That's what it is. We have to organize yeah. our members of Congress. We have to change the political weather more broadly. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't expect that uh, like politicians lead without us making them, you know, and we've, I think we've seen that a million times. We've seen Biden, right? Like we got him in office, but he's still giving us nothing um, unless we really hold you know, their feet to the fire. And I think it's the same. Um, the, they're mm-hmm. not going to be the solution to our problems. Like we have to, we have to organize them. Um, and that's, that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, same with AOC mm-hmm. uh, voting, voting sort of present or whatever it was um, yeah. on the same I mean, vote. The reality is they're, yeah. They're in like, th- that's the reality in their districts in many ways. Like our, op- our political opposition is much more organized than we are. They're better funded. Um, and we, <laughs> That's what we're up against. But I but I think there's a lot of hopeful signs um, that we can do that. Arby, did you want to jump in or should I keep on going? Yeah, keep on. I mean, I guess I would just ask this question as like a person who, you know, could easily say like, oh, I just don't know enough or whatever. Like, what what would you and I, I'm not saying that, but like what what would you say to somebody in just in their daily life because i feel like organizing you know there's there's so many levels of that but like organizing in your own daily life of like how you approach um like if you were talking to somebody and they they accused you of anti-semitism like what what is your like go to and what would you like offer to somebody to sort of not get around that, but to like open up that dialogue up with someone i mean i think we can just hold that you can a, a like criticizing a country is just extremely different mm-hmm. from uh, mm-hmm. like a form of racism. It is a fundamental right of ours. Like nationalism is always debatable yeah. and we get to debate it. 
And that's what that is. Mm. Like, and mm. I think we, we really know that Americans really know that and we forget it or we're sort of coerced out of that when it comes to Israel and all this sort of like weirdness mm. that exists around, you know, the role of kind of American Jews in politics and the ways we're like used in this mm -hmm. sort of weird symbolic way. Um, and I think like, yeah, we have to. And also, like, if you want to talk about anti-Semitism, let's let's talk about anti-Semitism. Let's talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let's talk about Tucker Carlson. Let's talk yeah. about Trump. Let's talk about January 6th insurrection. Like, happy to talk about those things. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do it, like, we can talk about it. But but saying that, you know, we shouldn't be paying for the U.S. to drop bombs on Palestinians is not it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 100%. I mean, I think that... Yeah, the, the refocusing on actual anti-Semitism that is so rife. I mean, it, it, it like, yes, you know, are there like at, you know, pro-Palestine demonstrations, anti-occupation stuff? Are there signs that I'm like, man, that's not a great sign. You know, are there people who are like, nah, I don't, I'm not super on board with that? Always, always. <laughs> but if if you're talking about anti-Semitism and stacking violence against violence, which obviously is a is a cruel sort of comparison, but my God, the right and the anti-Semitism that undergirds everything, including all the racism against BLM demonstrators and black people in this country. We had Eric Ward on, on our live oh, show and he sort of studies awesome. like that. He's awesome. Yeah. And just, yeah, studies like the roots of yeah. um, white supremacy um, and always that anti-Semitism pillar underneath it. Yeah. Um, it's about power. You know, the person with the sort of like sign that's a mm -hmm. little off at the demonstration, like there's them. And then there's like our literal former president, you know, and many members of his cabinet and many members of Congress. Like, let's not get confused here, you know? Yeah. 100%. I want to ask you, I got a couple last questions, but what do you, I mean, we're talking sort of very broadly about policy because I think we all kind of know, you know, like end funding, yeah. you know, like legislate around, you know, condemning Israel, but what specifically, what legislative pieces are you guys really pushing for? Um, and I know there's one in particular around the fallout of the war on Gaza. Yeah, well, so, I mean, we are, um, we are, we don't have like an extremely detailed policy platform. There are tons of policy wonks on this issue. We're in relationship with them. They do awesome work. Um, we're not the policy wonks. We're here to shift public opinion. And the thing that we're here to shift public mm. opinion about is about whether or not the U.S. should be funding um, Israeli weapons that are used against Palestinians. I think one of the most interesting things that came up in the Iron Dome vote is the conversation was all about whether or not Israel should be able to defend itself. It wasn't it was just taken for granted that that's that bill, that bill should be footed by the U.S., you know, that Israel right. like shouldn't pay right. for any of their own defense, even if you do want to see it as a purely defensive weapon, which. I don't. But, um, you know, and so I think the question is, it's it's not dissimilar from, you know, the invest divest framework and defunding the police. It's like, do we, we want to be funding walls and these and like counterterrorism and, um, you know, global imperialism and racism and these like and these defense contractors and weapons manufacturers? Um, or do we want to fund like things that actually help all of our, our people thrive? And I just think it's as basic yeah. as that. Oh, I love it. And that. I feel like people so very quickly forget that's our money. It's ours. Yeah. It's, not, it's ours. <laughs> it's ours. And it's not even, it's I, I don't talk about like my, I, yes, I pay my taxes, but once I pay my taxes, that money becomes public money. I pay my taxes so that that money helps the public, not just me, 
everybody. Totally. It's our money. And they're taking it and throwing and it saying, away. We don't have enough you know, money for education. Wanna... We don't have enough money for like climate infrastructure. You know, we don't yep. have enough. We absolutely so... do. Yeah. I gave it to you. I gave it to you. <laughs> I continue yeah. giving it to you. No. And, and that's exactly right. Right. You, we're, ha- we're haggling over yeah. a billion here, a billion there. And meanwhile, it is unflinching and unquestionable when Israel needs more money. It's like we are always there to provide it uh, to what end. Right. And, and I would argue it's it's interesting, too, because. It, it actually if you're going on a crass, does this keep the United States safer mode? We all know the answer is no. If you didn't care about Palestinian hu- lives, which that's fine. Some people don't. Some crass politicians don't. But on just a global strategic, like military situation, like Israel doesn't keep us safer. They do not protect our interests. If anything, they make shit worse. And we've seen that. We know that. We know how buddy buddy they are with MBS of Saudi Arabia and others. We know that they like extremism in the region because it only further allows them to justify their own project of ethnic cleansing. So the shit's like. It's, it's, it's no good, good on anyone. all levels. It's not good for anyone, yeah. you know? And it's like they're increasingly authoritarian government. You know, there's like a lot of cooperation between um, U.S. weapons industry and the and Israeli weapons industry. I don't know if you guys have been tracking all the sort of spyware that Israel has been testing out against Palestinian activists. That spyware comes here. Like they test that out over there mm-hmm. because Americans don't pay attention mm-hmm. and then they use it here. So it's... Yeah. We really should be paying attention and and should be concerned. Any final thoughts? Any um, any like ray of hope? I, I'm I'm yeah. Ray of hope. I'm reminded of how like Nina Turner's campaign. Yeah. You know she really really didn't lose by a lot, but I'm real mad at just like the the amount of money that came from a lot of pro Israel yeah, lobbying groups. Yeah. To tank. I know. We really thought. It was going to go better, too, because DMFI, Democratic Majority for Israel, they before that race, they just threw away so much money on like Jamal's race on a couple other. And it was like, if DMFI is backing her is backing her opponent, that's probably a good sign for her because they have a losing record. Um, And so I think like just got to keep organizing. And it's and it's honestly it's not that complicated. And I think there's a, mm. there's so much around this issue where it's like you can't weigh in unless you you know you've written your dissertation on like the geopolitics of the Middle East. Um, but I think it's pretty clear. You know, it's about human rights. It's about where we want our tax money to go. Um, and yeah. it's about you know, do we think that we can really like secure our safety without securing our neighbor's safety? And you know, I think the answer is no. It's becoming increasingly clear. So. Um, mm. That's what I can offer. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mariah Kaplan of If Not Now, thank you so much for, for, having for me. breaking that all down. And I, I would love it if you could stay for our final segment, which love is to. promising to be a little more fun. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> more fun so, than this. More, more fun than stopping the I'm occupation. Fun. I am. Um, yeah. No, okay. So we always end. You know, we got to have have a little, you know, a little chaser after all that. A chaser. That's yeah. right. Uh, even though the alcohol is a good part, but it's a chaser. Um, and that's our final segment, given Mr. Elon Musk, the first or second, <laughs> depending on uh, how much stock he sold off or has to sell off that week. Uh, Elon Musk reply, guys, trigger warning. Trigger warning right now. You might want to leave. Go night-night. Uh, 
suckle on whatever, you know, cyber truck bottle you want to suckle on. Um, like look at your doge coin, see how that's doing. But but just trigger warning, there might be some not nice things said about your your God and Lord and Savior. Uh, but Elon Musk came for Bernie this week. My God. And so we I just want to know. I just want to know what's going on, buddy. What's going on? What do you need? That, what do you need? That was some anti-Semitism, right? <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> like, it felt like it. I don't know that I'm accurate. Oh, but. against Sanders? Hell yeah. Oh, oh. by well, the way, the anti was like, you're a taker, not a maker. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, it's this not is great. Very, I want to get into that. Great. But, okay, this is... Sorry. I'm jumping. I'm sorry. No, we've got a very exciting interstitial, so hang on. This is what Elon Uh-oh. needs. single tier what shout out to ellie hoffman for making that um what does elon need so let's just recap elon took to twitter to do what he does best troll about you know 69ing and (laughs) come uh but this time it was in response to bernie sanders who wrote we must demand that the extremely wealthy pay their fair share period pretty simple standard fare uh elon musk replies I keep forgetting that you're still alive. <laughs> um, and then he goes on. He's like, how much more stock do you want me to sell? Bitch, we all know you have to sell the stock anyway. Um, how much more stock do you want me to sell? Uh, and then, as, yes, as Arby mentioned, he says, uh, Bernie is a taker, not a giver. Which, is that anti-Semitic? Why does no one defend Bernie Sanders with uh, anti-Semitic claims? Hmm. Could it be that his politics are far too left? Yeah. Um, but look at this fragility, you guys. This, first of all, don't fucking come for T.O. like that. Because the internet. <laughs> he has. No. He has a penis. It's, it's so hard to get past. Avatar. He does have a penis. It's a penis. It's a penis. It's a penis. It's a, it's like- <laughs> it's a metal penis. It's a metal penis. It's so ridiculous. He knows. <laughs> and he, that's all. That's the show like, oh, yeah. Like, he, like he, if he could, if and when he gets enough rockets to launch at the same time to, like, spell out 69 in the sky, he <laughs> will do that. Because that's oh, how yeah. much he needs love. So this is what Elon yes. needs. What does he need? Um he needs obviously the answer is love, but if anyone else has a has a better answer, let's let's go around. Mariah, needs, any answers? He needs that uh, comic book by Alison Bechdel that was banned <laughs> that teaches tenderly <laughs> about sixty nine ing and other things. Yeah, some yeah, open yeah. communication, right. some vulnerability. Yes, yeah, I love yeah. that. He needs to read it a lot of Alison Bechdel and be like, damn. Yeah. Maybe it's not the best position. <laughs> this looks pretty good. Um, I love that. Uh, Arby, what does what does Elon need? I mean, I like. I just went with what is real in my heart. This man needs a friend. Like this, this behavior is proof to me that he does not have friends. Like, there's probably people in his life, definitely, because he's one of the richest men, if not the richest man on earth. There's people around him. Sure. He doesn't have a friend. This guy spends most of his time on Twitter. I do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I do that. Like, what? 
it's so much proof to me that you can have all the money in the world and it still doesn't make you feel good. Like, you need a friend. Retweet. You need me. a friend. Please. Oh my Tweeting God. at Bernie Sanders that you're still alive. What is this? High school? <laughs> it sounds like Spicoli or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. As, he needs as, a buddy. It's so. Am I. As my boo Matt Lieb said, at least Bernie has uh, the courage to go bald, whereas <laughs> Elon needed hair plugs, um, and that is that is true. Look it up. Um, I think Elon needs, and man, this is maybe very socialist of me, but he needs hard <laughs> manual labor. Uh, That's a good one. He needs to be <laughs> taken of his riches because obviously billionaires shouldn't exist. He'll have enough when he's out of the work camps and the work camp could be just driving for Amazon. Uh, yeah, dude. Drive an Amazon truck for, I don't know, six months. Work for Bezos. <laughs> yeah. See what it's fucking like. Uh, work on your own factory floor, right? Mm-hmm. Do a little bit of hard labor. It doesn't even actually have to be manual labor. Just be on Zoom calls all day long <laughs> in like some. Yeah, I just want him to have to do work. He clearly doesn't work in any capacity. No, exactly. He didn't even invent the car. He didn't even come up with that. I feel like every one of us knows that like Twitter <laughs> is not represent. Twitter is representative of people who have enough free time on their goddamn hands to like tweet about you know what they ate for lunch or whatever the hell. Like, I'm like <laughs> I don't know. I don't have enough time to be like maybe canceled on some shit that I want to say, but I don't. And that's um, the best he could we- come up with. A dig at Bernie's age. It's not even fucking clever. <laughs> It's not good. It's not good. And it stings. I'm going to say, though, it still stings a little bit because I'm just like, you know, and it's like I I get a little mad because you're like, you know what? This motherfucker could have been our antidote to this motherfucker. like Bernie (laughs) Sanders. It should have been Bernie. The pandemic has proved proven that it should have been Bernie if, if it wasn't clear already. I'm not saying we wouldn't have had problems. I'm not even saying Bernie would have been as amazing as in, you know, in your mind he would have been. But like, my God the billionaires have won this. The class war has been won. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I will say this, Francesca. I don't think that Bernie Sanders would have said, I'll give you $2,000 and then sent you a $1,400 check and then said, that's what I meant. He wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I can tell you that. I can tell you that that's, he would have sent you $2,000. It adds up to 2000. You just, <laughs> he would not have done that. Yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, and also there's a lot of things Bernie would have done. There should be a whole segment, what Bernie would have done, but that is next week. Um, That is in my heart every morning at 3 a.m. Like (gasps) (laughs) panic attack Um, from the comments, you guys. Thanks so much. Uh, Elon needs to shut the fuck up. Uh, Elon needs Mm -hmm. a heart like the Tin Man. Um, Elon needs, this Mm -hmm. is great, someone to whisper to him, you are not Tony Stark. That's great. Uh, um, all right, you guys, Mariah Kaplan, everybody follow, if not now, and Mariah on the Twitter, because um, you guys all have time on your hands as you're driving to your next delivery. <laughs> um, at Mariah K. <laughs> and Mariah, anything else to plug? Follow us. Go to our website, ifnotnowmovement.org, ifnotnow.org. That's our Twitter handle. It's good stuff. We have a good Twitter. Follow us. Hell yeah. I love, I do. I I mean, it makes me sad, but I also like it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I won't say it's like the lightest content, but I think it's good. More settler (laughs) violence. Fun. Yay. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. I will say so. Okay. All of the platforms. Follow if not now, everybody get involved as well. Um, 
I know there's lots of calls for action and ways to get involved on your site, correct? Indeed. Indeed there is. Okay. All right. Take good care. And RB, where can people find you? Um, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's still my old name. Um, So it's at R-H-E-A Butcher on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can see it on there. These are the problems of being trans in public as a public (laughs) figure to some. Like it's going to take a minute and it'll change eventually. But um, yeah, you can follow me there. There's all kinds of stuff on there. You know, viral tweets about student loans, whatever you want. We didn't even talk about student loan (laughs) debt. Uh, We did it. Now I know when to have you back on. Uh, yeah, bring me back. Well, we can dig into it. Oh my God, it was so fun, RB. <laughs> Thank you so much. And also, thanks so much for having me. You're not done. We got a little bit more. I'm not done. Oh, we got a little bit more um, about American masculinity, which I think is only fitting that we ask a trans person about that. I think that's very, <laughs> that's right. uh, no, uh, very important. But yeah, so become a patron, patreon.com slash situation room. Meet us there. But thank you, RB, for being on the main show. Thank you. You're wonderful. Everybody. What a dream. Check out RB anywhere. Also, uh, they do shows all the time in in LA and around the country. So don't miss them. And thank you guys for being here. You know what time it is. You know what time it is. The time I did not totally prepare for, but uh, it's it has come and it will not leave. Um, thank you for all of your super chats, all your comments, uh, all the people who became patrons, um, all the people who've given a little a little something something to the Venmo, TBR-Live, TBR Live on Cash App. This show is literally just thanks to you guys. It, that's how it happens all the time. Um, and in honor of everybody, this is the fart song. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much to the new patrons at 10 bucks or more. Lisa, I'm looking at you. Thank you to the big tippers, Mark K and Seiko. Thank you to the Twitch subs. Sub- uh, subscribe for the first time, Ozzy Plant the Hermit, Coop the Jarnak, Roro Sarabeth, Fat Guy Named Tiny. Thank you for resubscribing, Late Bloomer 66 and Daniel McConkie. And thank you for the super chat, Dylan Floyd. Super appreciate it. Uh, remember, you guys, if you are a patron at 10 bucks or more, you get this shout out. If you subscribe on Twitch, you get this shout out. If you tip 10 bucks or more, you get that shout out. Uh, and let's just dance out this very embarrassing song that I've committed to and I will not change. And as always, thank you. Uh, to the one and only Ellie Hoffman, to Alexandra Ornes, to Maximilian Inhoff on the other side of YouTube. Um, Becca Roofer, we love you wherever you are, doing good things. We stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern. Next week we are streaming, and the following we're not. We're taking a week break. I am going to be away, um, but don't miss me too hard, y'all. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye.